0: You can support this podcast on Patreon.com forward slash First Paw Media. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there, the hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side, maybe even earn enough money, enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher, I'm a rover, I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today.
1: At the 1928 Winter Olympic Games in St. Moritz, Switzerland, demonstration sports, not part of the official program, were included for the first time, with demonstration events ceasing to exist after 1992. In this podcast, Mushing, explores some of these lost sports of the Winter Games. Dog mushing was a demo sport at the 1932 Olympic Games in Lake Placid, New York, and some very famous dog drivers competed, including Leonard Seppala and Emil St. Goddard. A dog sled race with seven dogs per team was held at the 1932 Olympic Winter Games As a demonstration sport, the race was run over 40.5 kilometers or 25.1 miles, lasting two days. Twelve sled dog teams from Canada and the United States took part, with Amel St. Goddard of Canada winning the event. Dog sled racing is still a popular sport in northern climates, notably with the Iditarod Trail Sled Dog Race held annually in Alaska to commemorate the 1925 Sled Dog Run to Nome with Diphtheria Serum. The sport is governed by the International Federation of Sled Dog Sports, or IFSS, which was founded in 1992 and has 45 members as of 2022. But where are we today? Let's dive in.
0: Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto.
1: For most, a dog is a man's best friend but for select few, they're also integral to a competitive sport. Welcome to the world of sled dog racing. Debuting as a demonstration sport at the 1932 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, 90 years later, the sport is still alive and barking as dogs pull their harnessed drivers or mushers around courses across the globe. Most popular in the Arctic regions of North America and Europe, any mention of sledding and the breeds of dogs involved, huskies, malamutes, and similar Nordic breeds, always come with the association of snow. Yet, Matt Hogston, Great Britain's first world champion in purebred sled dog racing, is living proof that a relative lack of snow is no barrier to success when passion is involved. Let's talk about some of those deadly sins. Based in the occasionally cold but rarely Arctic southeast of England, Hogston has developed his childhood fascination with dogs of the far north into In Fury Dogs, a five-time medal-winning sled dog team. Hogston cites Jack London's 1903 novel, The Call of the Wild, as one of his earliest influences, an interest that quickly turned to love with the arrival of his first dog, Ranger, an Alaskan Malamute puppy, in 2005. These days, Hogston runs with his pack of six deadly sins, all dogs taking their name from one of the seven biblical vices. It is an etymology that seems extremely harsh given their impeccable training and talent, not to mention their cuteness, compounded by the arrival of two adorable Greenland dog pups, Nemus, Gluttony, and Pride, in February last year. Yet there is a method to the madness, Hogston explains. Having intended to call his first sled dog, assumed to be female, Envy, Hogsden was forced to rethink this when his Canadian Eskimo dog was born male. NVIDIA, the Latin origin of Envy, was the replacement name of choice and subsequently set a trend, though Hogston assures that They're my deadly sins rather than being deadly sins. Distracting deer. Hmm. No rest for the wicked then as training begins from puppyhood. First of all, they're my pets. So they've got to be good dogs all around, Hogsden tells CNN Sports. With all dogs attending puppy classes to nurture good behavior and sociability, laying the groundwork for sledding further down the line. Training is gradually built up over a two-year period after half a year. Pups are allowed to run loose alongside the adults before being hooked up towards the end of runs a few months later to get a feel for the harness. A gradual buildup is crucial, and each dog varies, Hogston says, but within a year, dogs can begin club-level competition between 15 and 18 months. The international level beckons. Members of the public trekking through the forests of East Sussex at unsociable hours may be lucky enough to catch the infury dogs racing past on one of these sessions, with Hogsden having a permit to run on Forestry England land at certain times typically at less busy periods in order to fulfill his impressive five to six days of training per week. You may hear shouts of haw and gee as the dogs turn left and right as Hogsden with no reins or any physical connection to the pack must rely on verbal commands alone taught through constant reinforcement. If you're very lucky, you may even catch Hogsden wrapped around a tree when the dogs catch sight of a streaking rabbit or deer. Most of the time they listen, Hogsden laughs. That's all part of the fact that you're running with animals rather than a machine. Let's take a short break here. We'll be right back. What will it take for Ryan Reddington to win the Iditarod again? count on the podcast mushing from first paw media to bring you the stories and the analysis that matter this off season and during the big race i'm michelle one of the producers and editor of mushing and robert the musher who knows this sport better than anyone to break down what it means it's the mushing podcast from first paw media Follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gold medal retrievers. In competition, though, the In fury dogs are very much machines. Hogsden, who tends to compete in short races of up to 8 kilometers, which is almost 5 miles, depending on terrain, has amassed five medals for Great Britain since his first international outing in 2015. His crowning moment came in 2019 when Infury's relatively inexperienced team soared to victory at the UK's maiden world championships, becoming Team GB's first ever world champion in purebred sled dog racing. Yet for Hogston, self proclaimed consistently last for his early international outings, winning has never been the absolute priority. Though disrupted by the pandemic, when a December trip to Belgium canceled following the COVID surge of the Omicron variant, the sport has taken Hogston and his dogs around the world, travel restrictions willing. Sweden calls for the world championships in March with the tantalizing prospect of competing at the Ostersund Ski Stadium in Ostersund. I love the dogs and the dogs take so much pleasure from it. If they didn't enjoy it, they wouldn't run and it wouldn't be a lot of fun, Hogston said. I like the camaraderie, I like the social elements, and I love sharing my love of the dogs with people who also have a love of dogs. So it's a coming together of different people. It's nice to do well, but that's not the main thing. What about an Olympic return? Now, less than 10 years shy of the 100th anniversary of sled dog racing at the Winter Olympics as a demonstration sport, Talk continues to swirl the sport one day, making a return to the games. Hogston says the International Federation of Sled Dog Sports has been petitioning the International Olympic Committee, but he holds his own reservations on the suitability of the sport for Olympic status, fearing a can of worms opened up by logistics, finances, and the very nature of the sport. Trying to take tons of dogs and travel from North America or somewhere around the world, it's so expensive and there's no money in it, Hogston said. There's so many distances, so many categories. Which do you select? Is it going to be teams of Huskies or teams of Greyhound crosses? What distances are they going to run? Does it reflect the sport? Then there's the issue of is the Olympics about human sport? Is this actually human athletics? Hogston adds, referencing the long-running furor around equestrian sports at the Games. Yet, theoretically, given the chance to compete in his version of the sport, Hogson would absolutely love to represent Great Britain at the Games. Until then, it's racing through forests and the occasional tree in East Sussex for Hogsden and his deadly sins. So what do you guys think? Do you ever see the sport of dog mushing in the Olympic Games again? There may be hope. They just added softball, lacrosse, and flag football. Who knows? There just might be a chance. Let us know your thoughts on our social channels. And let's keep the conversation going. Until next time, I'm your host, Michelle Forto of Mushing and First Paw Media.
0: From First Paw Media, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You will find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for First Paw Media.